Welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, Pirate Dash Radio. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shula Jr. Edward, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Bulls basketball coming back. Uh, training camp starts tomorrow, right? So, yeah, Bulls basketball back in the fold. But, yeah, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm excited about watching the Bulls again here shortly. Like you said, training camp is starting tomorrow. The season is around the corner. Um, you know, a lot of questions with this team that probably still needs to be answered. Even, unfortunately, last year was a frustrating season for all Bulls fans and I'm sure the entire team uh, in general. But I think, you know, going into this season will be interesting uh, with having, a, obviously, a competent head coach uh, and evaluating, you know, some of the younger guys we have. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how that goes. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I'm, I mean, I'm, I was excited last year, and that didn't lead to anything. But like you said, new coach, new GM, a interesting rookie. So I mean, there's definitely a lot of interest about the Bulls this season. So let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a good show. Talk about uh, the upcoming season, some of the questions that need to be answered. And joining us to do that today is Matt Peck and John Sabine. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, we're this is we're so excited. This will be awesome. Yeah, thank you for coming, man. Thanks for joining us. But yeah, yeah, well, I mean, once we're done, you can go ahead and throw this episode in the trash because Big Dave couldn't join us. Because like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. You got was, you got the two thirds of like yeah. the discardable outsiders. <laughs> you got you got Kelly Rowland and Michelle <laughs> without Beyonce. We are no missing Beyonce. Oh my God. Max Kelly, and that's Kelly Rowland. Just for the record, uh, he had a, he had a couple. You know, he he hangs out with Nelly. He I got did have a heads. small bit part in Freddie versus Jason. That is, yeah, true. I, I'm not even the first Michelle Williams that pops up when you Google. It. So like. Uh, <laughs> It's an underrated. So we're movie, starting. Big Dave couldn't be here. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, that, that was that was definitely sad. Dave just brings a, like a happiness. Like yeah. we could all be just like the most miserable day, and the, the moment Dave shows up, he just starts smiling. It just it just happens. So yeah, yeah, it's it's too bad he couldn't join us. He's he's the most emotionally healthy person who's ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> no, which is no. which is good because John and I definitely are not. No, and the Bulls don't make it easy. So they, they do not. So they, they really they they test us, and so it, we need to have that love. To, it could be easier to withstand the test. It could be easier this year, though. Maybe there's a chance. I mean, it can't get any worse, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, yeah, it can't get worse, but we'll see how much better it gets. I think that's the big question that uh, going into this season, we have obviously, you know, with AK and Mark Eversley taking over, he brought in a whole new front office as far as assistant GMs, mm-hmm. player development, getting his coach, the best coach available, which is something – brand new to you know bulls fans when when we have an open uh open open spot on the on the bench we we went out actually and got the best coach that was available on the market and able to convince him to you know sign on um going to the draft again you know he kind of surprised surprised us with the patrick williams pick uh what were your guys obviously i've, I've heard a little bit obviously seeing you guys uh following you guys on twitter and obviously on the different venues uh your opinions on on the on the pick but uh tell us uh john we'll start with you tell us how you saw the draft for the bulls and and how you felt after it was done um i think there my initial reaction was like 
I was disappointed and didn't have a reason to be. And I had to like, I just, I felt disappointed, but I don't think I, then I, when I thought about it, I, I really liked the pick they made. It showed, I think if it pans out, like it wasn't scared. They didn't take like the safe bet. They said, no, we're going, we're getting this guy. And, you know, the Cavs wanted him. So who knows what that means? But I think we wanted more. I think we we're all looking for the Doug McDermott trade. We were all looking for something cute and get to get assets, but we just, a we don't have the roster for it or the contracts. And so I'm, I'm excited for him. And I think anyone who's such a freak athlete like that, like why not? So I I'm, I'm excited to see. I, I was let down in, in, in the immediate, but as time has passed, I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, Matt, how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, I would kind of echo John's sentiments in that I was a little bit underwhelmed at first without really knowing why. I mean, I did, I did have uh, some serious uh, fetishizing for Killian Hayes, uh, you know, the international point guard prospect. Uh, because I just loved everything I watched from him on tape. And this Bulls team desperately needs some of that playmaking ability. Uh, you know, we haven't had a legitimate uh, point guard since D Rose towards ACL nine years ago. Well, you know, there've just been stopgap after stopgap after stopgap, and I've been getting sick of it. And I really liked Killian Hayes. So I was hoping that maybe that's the route they would have gone. But you know, other than feeling at the time, like maybe it was a little bit of a reach that worry for me was quickly dispelled when we just heard from all corners of the NBA that every team, you know, you know, John mentioned, oh, yeah, the Cavs really wanted him to slide to five. But like the Pistons really wanted him to slide seven. The, the Spurs were making calls trying to trade up to get him from way back where they were. And, you know, like if you look at an organization that knows how to draft, look no further than San Antonio. Uh, so, like, yeah, maybe a little bit of a reach and not the exciting, you know, flashy point guard that I was kind of hoping for. But the more homework you do on this kid, you, more, you the more you realize just how ridiculously high his ceiling is. And he's already got a pretty established floor for a kid who just turned 19 a few months ago. Uh, obviously, certain things about his two-way playmaking ability, uh, being a, a multi-positional player on the defensive end as well. Uh, had a ridiculous block rate percentage uh, in his one season in college. Also had an impressive steal percentage. He's he, he's a plug and play guy. That's what AK kept talking about. So and the other thing about like whether or not he was a reach, I think had this pandemic not happened and you saw Florida State play their way through, likely being the ACC you know tournament mm-hmm. champions, mm-hmm. and then also Florida State ma- making a sizable run through the NCAA tournament itself, this kid could have vaulted into the top three because not a whole lot of people knew about him. Freshmen didn't start, et cetera. And Bulls fans were understandably kind of concerned about those reasons for calling it a reach, but he is not a reach in my opinion. And I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about the pick. It kind of, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, I'm not saying the outcome would happen, but it kind of reminds me of when, Sam Presti took Russell Westbrook uh, in the Derrick Rose draft at number four. Like Russell Westbrook didn't really start throughout his college career. And then he goes number four in what a lot of people thought was going to be this really strong draft. And here we go with Patrick Williams. And the thing that, that makes me feel better about this is that I don't when I don't think about Patrick Williams as like potentially a franchise saver or the next MJ or whoever the, the Bulls are going to build around. If if I just look at him as just the first step in how they are trying to build this team, 
it makes me feel really good. Like if if they continue to stack the roster with players who are in the mold of Patrick Williams, athletic, can defend multiple positions, high IQ, then I feel really good about that. Like that's something that the Bulls haven't really done, even though they continue to talk about it in the past. I think that's a great point. I think we, we were looking for something that would be like an extreme makeover, you know, like, like we, we leave for an afternoon and now we have a whole new house in a mansion, you know, mm-hmm. when we really, we truly just as Dave is, we just need, we just need a, heat, a hot water heater, you know, like, mm-hmm. and we just need something that's going to work. And to me, he felt like Amari Stoudemire to me when I saw, I was like someone who's kind of raw and who can become a multiple time all-star if taught right but if amari goes to the suns and there's no nash he's who is he is he tristan Tom, like who, who i mean who is he drummond like and so i think hopefully we can provide the fit uh i really wanted halliburton and so i was happy with this because it was another point guard i would have felt like i think me and matt would have been like if they would have taken like another point guard besides the one we the ones we liked we would have been more mad having a having a an, an athletic big who can jump out of the ceiling my god You'll always need that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'd like, and to Matt's point too, I, I like the fact that you know he does his floor doesn't seem too low either. Like, I could I could see him as floor being like James Johnson, a guy that like a utility guy that kind of fills up the stat sheets. You can defend multiple positions. Um, if if he obviously if he doesn't have that if he never meets that super, like star potential, a guy that can consistently be in rotation, a positive impact player, uh, continuously in his career, I feel like that's probably who's going to be his floor. So that that to me shows that it's it's not necessarily like a high risk, high reward. Uh, well, high risk. It is a high reward in a sense, but it's not so much a high risk as. Previously, I thought it might be before I really, you know, looked into him, you know, saw some of the different, you know, skill sets and things that he has. Mm-hmm. And and it's different. Like it's, I know some people are going to say it, it, you know, different isn't always good, but this isn't the type of draft pick that you would envision the prior regime making, right? Like you, you couldn't really envision them taking someone like Patrick Williams. You would probably get a player like Tyrese Halliburton, or you might get a you know, a safer player at the number four spot who just kind of falls in line with. Yeah, the I mean, if Gar system. were still in power, John would have been happy because there's no way they. I was Gar State, was maybe. passing on Tyrese <laughs> Halbert. Not I a know. chance. And so that and the, uh, the, the, the so funny. The Iowa State part about Halbert is like the scariest part as a Bulls fan to be like, oh, okay, but maybe not. Maybe he's not that good. You know, yes. <laughs> like because because of the bias. But it is fun to think what would have Gar Pax done, and he, they would have not done this. So that's probably a good sign, right? <laughs> Just <Yes. laughs> they would have never drafted this guy. So that alone probably means it's a step in a direction. No, they probably they probably take Denny. I think. I mean, and not to uh-huh. not to say Denny would have been necessarily a bad pick, but I think they probably would have gone with someone like that. Just a kind of a guy that seems pretty safe in a sense. And he, is well, I, I don't think Denny is safe at all. I, 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 you know, that's just me personally. I was never really high on the Denny train and I was relieved that they didn't take him. I, just the, the comps that were being rolled out there by people were absolutely ludicrous in my opinion. Well, I mean, the Lucas stuff is dumb. I think the Lucas stuff is going to be there. My theory is every year, anytime there's a European player, like oh, his size, like the, the wing uh, guy that supposedly can handle the ball, 
that's going to be the next Luca from here on. Like the God, dirt stuff. I know it's like so the stupid. dirt stuff. Every, Larry Bird. Every, every white yeah. American was Larry Bird. Like yeah, and, and every it, like the seven footer that's a Euro seven footer is Dirk. It's that's just going to be every year now. It's going to be the lazy comparison. And I think we are we've been taught to be burned by when a generational when 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 an outlier shows up. Like when Dirk shows up, then people draft Nicholas. Tilaskivi, whatever his name was, you know, uh, and that could have been Denny, like, cause it's like the, the, we think Europeans are better than they might. That could like, Luca could just be an outlier, you know? Um, it could be, it doesn't have to be a trend. We look for trends. Did Denny um, fall? Did he like, did he fall on draft night or was he like Matt said, was he just not as good a prospect as we thought? Because I, I for sure thought he was going to go top five and he ended up going below that. To watch. But we thought that because of mock drafts, right? Yeah. So that's the thing. I think like just the way we, because we had no, we, with no, we really had no tournament, as Matt said, to to go off of. We were just kind of going off like, what does this person say? You know, mm-hmm. like everyone was really excited. All my Mavs fans were really excited because they got Tyrell Taylor, uh, Terry at 31 and Kevin O'Connor had him eight. But he was the only one who had him eight. Everyone else had him like in the fifties or something. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. okay, well, one guy could be wrong. Like, don't just because he works with the ringer doesn't mean he's right. You know, like I just feel like we had all we were going off was numbers. I thought Denny was four or five just because that's what everyone told me. But I don't really know what that means because I never saw anything but clips. Yeah, I, I think this was a very hard draft to mock just because. There was not. There's. There's nobody. Even in that top three, those guys aren't. Aren't. Um, like you know, can't miss guys. All of them have so many red flags, question marks about how good they can really be. Even though some may have that potential. Obviously, a guy like uh, Anthony Edwards, he's very talented. Like athletically, I think if you guys seen those stats, he's like in the 90th percentile in a- athleticism. Oh, like 99th percentile in athleticism, mm-hmm. but he has like other, you know, red flags about his decision-making his his, his uh, the things that he does out there. And obviously LaMelo ball, again, he's considered a really great playmaker, but decision-making attitude is a question mark. His shooting is a question mark. And then Wiseman, I think he's very athletic, obviously overall, but his offensive game is a big question mark. And then you also talk about taking like a big, that's kind of, consider a rim runner that high is also in today's league is like, uh, I don't know if you really want to take that guy, but yeah, this draft, I think it was just really hard to mock and mm-hmm. try to figure out. And I think Edward in the past episodes has always said, you know, it's kind of like a, my guy draft where it's a, this is guy I like, I don't care if he was projected to go 11, even though I'm at five, I'm taking him at five. Yeah. It, it felt a lot like that. And I, I was still surprised Denny dropped below and, I guess for a, for a second, I wasn't really buying that Patrick Williams was the guy because I was like, eh, I mean, nobody really has a source yet in the AK regime. So, but I, I guess that ended up being right. But let me let me say this: one uh, of you mentioned that we all expected maybe some type of like really sexy Q asset trade to happen in this draft or. You could even make the case that somebody like we may have even expected something like that to happen in the offseason in general, whether it was something involving a free agent or maybe some type of trade. And we didn't get that. It, it's been outside of the Billy Donovan hire, which I mean, we, we knew there was going to be a new head coach. There was really nothing like splashy or sexy about 
this offseason. And I, I think a lot of people were surprised about that. So what what are you guys thought? Of, what are you guys thinking about how the offseason played out as far as player movement on, on the team? Are you surprised that the roster for the most part is still intact from last year? Or is this about what you expected? I personally am not surprised. And I was surprised to see a huge percentage of the fan base be shocked that no massive moves were made. And I think there are a few, you know, a few reasons for that. First of all, in my opinion, I didn't think that there was anybody in this draft class worth trading up for if it meant giving up a significant asset, even if that means, you know, a, a, a significant asset that's not a star like any people in the core four of this team, Kobe, Wendell, Zach, and Lowry. Uh, e- even though they are certainly by no means untouchable and untradeable, I didn't think any of them were worth trading away to move up to get any of these top three picks in this draft. Um, and I think for the most part, based on what we heard from AK, he agreed because he was asked after the draft when he met with the press, did you you know, take calls and make calls about possibly trading up tonight? And he just said flat out bluntly, no. So I was glad to hear that. So there were no big moves that way. Everybody loves talking about draft night trades because it's a fun, exciting, hypothetical conversation. And Bulls fans love having those types of conversations. And because of a front office change and because of a coaching change, I think Bulls fans have been getting really excited about, okay, change begets more change, begets more change. So what's the next big thing that's going to happen? But to me, what always made the most sense was at least taking the first half of this upcoming 2021 season for AK Eversley, Donovan, and their collective staff to try to evaluate the talent while hopefully making that talent a little bit better and hopefully the Bulls, you know, win some games, look respectable, aren't a joke across the league anymore. And in doing so, maybe they give themselves time to evaluate what pieces they see as fits for this roster and which ones they see as not fits. And then you've propped up their trade value a little bit as you're getting up to that trade deadline when playoff bound teams are trying to add that exact right piece to their roster and are willing to give up future assets for it. To me, that was always the most logical path forward. I mean... I hate it's so boring. I Matt, I agree with you one hundred. I was shocked by the by the by the amount of shock. Like we have everyone at their lowest value. Like we would be selling low. We really don't know what we have. The only thing I could think of is like if someone sees something in Wendell Carter, you know, if other teams coveted them. Um, our bench is we have no assets trading on our bench wise. Like uh, not trading Chris Dunn at the trade deadline was insane. Like to get something for him. Did you like, see that, that was, the Hawks released a preliminary injury report and he's on it with cartilage damage in his knee? Oh, of course. Yeah. I love it. Did, did you see? Did you see what the Bulls said today? That I said thank you, thank you. <laughs> no, that's it. Thank you. I was like, that's so. I hope. I was like, please respond. You're welcome. Just that's it. Like, uh, but we don't know what we have, and we they haven't played since March, and it's. It's tough to make trades when you don't know if the stocks you have are good or not. Like they could be junk, but who knows? Like, like, and so I think we just wanted change because we've just been beaten down and tortured so long that any change is good, but we're not, that's emotional. We are emotional. That's not smart. (laughs) And we have, we had no uh, cap space. Uh, We didn't have a ton of money to throw around and we don't have crazy contracts. Like Zach is, wonderful it's a cheap contract and our bench is so is our bench is filled with so non-nba players that no one wants them like no one's trading for sato no one's trading for thaddeus young 
No one's trading for Luke Cornett, who's our seventh man. You know, you know what I mean? Like Robert Ory. We're so th- we're so thin. Our Robert Ory. Uh, oh my God, the greatest. That's <laughs> the season was almost worth it for that moment. Um, but I agree. I think like we have to see what we have because we don't have much to make moves with. We 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 would be selling low or not or like Wendell could be bad or he could be good. We don't know. We've watched one and a half seasons of him. Yeah. I think I think yeah. the fun is really going to start like a, as you mentioned it's going to start after that first half of a season. They yes, there could be a lot of pumping and dumping here. So especially if the Bulls are just out of the playoff picture or whatever. So like I, I'm fine with watching these players play with competent head coaching for the Bulls haven't had competent head coaching in what 5 years. So even just having bare minimum league average head coaching could make a tremendous difference on all of the players on this roster, especially the young players. Hell, even if Thaddeus Young might come out the gate swinging, like there might be a a veteran team who needs a backup for that might take him on for maybe a few second round picks or something like they did with the Drew Holiday trade. I'm I'm fine with the evaluation period. I I don't know why people expected a, a bunch of like wheeling and dealing just flat out the gate. I mean, I'm sure they have an idea of when that's going to come and who they feel won't fit, but you just got to see it play out first. And here's the cherry on top of the indignant bulls fan who is just like, you know, felt betrayed and, and just like, Oh my God, I can't believe this when no big moves were made is that they were pointing around during, especially and not necessarily trades leading up to free uh, to draft night, but also free agency, which was like a crazy whirlwind of like 72 hours. Right. But they're saying like, look at all these cap strap teams across the league, and they're they're figuring out ways to sign these guys. It's not like the Bulls could just use oh uh, a full roster at cap space as excuses to not make any moves. Why aren't they making any big moves? And it was like again, guys, look at the situation and the scenario, because the Bulls' new front office is, I'm guessing and pretty confident in that guess, going to be more competent and capable moving forward, executing intricate moves like that. Sign and trades, free agency deals, uh, just regular old trades, multiple team trades, then Gar and John who got fleeced night and day all the time. But guess what? It still takes a player wanting to come here for any of that stuff to happen. And what player who was a coveted asset in this year's free agent class, took a look at Chicago and said, yep, definitely want to go play for them right now. After winning 22 games and having, yeah, the coach has been dismissed, but they still have this stain on their reputation around the league right now. I agree. And I also think no free agency, no one gets free agents. Like, and I, Matt's for me says two cities get free agents. That's it. Like, it, it, media market doesn't matter. That's an outdated thought. Like no one's like, Ooh, my brand will go bigger. If I'm a bigger city, it's like, he has Twitter. You have Twitter. Like you don't need it anymore. You don't need a, a big market. Like, and so no one gets any, the Spurs don't sign free agents, you know, the Hawks did. Cause they were the only ones with money and they had to overpay for literally everyone. And so we didn't have the same amount of money as the Hawks. Let them make their team with Trey young and, a 35-year-old Danilo Gallari, like, do that. And, and, with Chris Dunn and Rondo, my God, please put him out there at the same time. Yeah, be, I think... We'll no, be sorry, fine. No, I'm saying we'll be fine. Like, we, no, we don't, no one gets free agents, free agents. So that's... But that's okay. We can... You can build teams a different way. Yeah, I think it just came down to, again, even just not having any cap space. We only had 
the mid-level and the room exception to utilize. And I think doing trades, I think AK wants to keep open the cap space for next offseason so he can make, you know, maneuver on whether obviously not necessarily sign max free agents because who knows, um, so it's sounding like Giannis is going to uh, sign that max extension here soon, sooner. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. It's looking like, well, it's a we'll lot see. of, a lot we'll of, well, there's a lot of smoke. Dallas, so he's not going to, he is, co- he is <laughs> going <laughs> to Dallas. It is in the stars. It's happening. When there's a lot of smoke, I feel like there's fires. So it's been, a, it's been popping up around that. He's, he's going to sign that max extension. Uh, we'll see though. We'll see obviously, but yeah, then there's Kawhi. He probably is not going to opt out. If he does, he'll probably maybe extend again with the Clippers. Um, but yeah, it's just stuff like that. So it's, it's, I think he just wants to have that cap space available. So you can always maneuver around trades at that point where, okay, where there's a really good player here. I mean, granted, he's not a superstar, but maybe we can try to trade for him and just take his salary on instead of trying to, uh, you know, go after someone that will not absolutely have any interest in signing with the with the with the Bulls. So mm. I think that that was a big factor in it as well. And Thad, a guy like Thad, I did was a little bit surprised that they didn't move just because there, there was rumors about teams having interest. But suppose I guess it makes sense too that his contract is probably not actually very appealing to some of these teams either. Because again, you're you're eating into you know cap space next season for some of these teams that might be already paying like a certain amount of luxury tax. And you watched him. What, the, yeah. what can he, what does he do to a team? He doesn't, he, what does he bring? Leaders? Well, I mean, I, like, what does yeah. he bring? Why would you want him? It's all about like, the, it depends. It depends on the fit and everything. Like, yeah, he can't shoot right now. He's, a, he's more a big that plays inside. I guess if you need somebody that, can kind of bring toughness inside a veteran team just for like 15, 20 minutes, depending, I guess that could be redeeming. But again, that comes in a contract. He's not, he's paid more than what he has value is on the court. That That's just the problem. His, his he's outlook a, was he's a better. Buyout. His outlook was better when he wasn't playing for Jim Boylan. If we're being yes. honest, his, his outlook was so, yes. because anytime, if you, if you, just followed that young for the last seven or eight years. All you heard about him was great leadership, good defender, two-way player, solid vet, is great a guy you'll find around the league, comes to the Bulls. All of that just goes just completely down the well, drain. Right. And, and, now and, and because he can, he can score from 15 in. <laughs> but Jim Boylan was like, no, absolutely not. You're either, you know, you're, you're getting a shot at the rim or you're taking a three or you're benched. And so it was like he turned Thad Young, who's been in the league for, a, you know, a decade plus, who has always had his same offensive game into a guy who was like an old man launching with John. What did you used to call him? Trebuchet? His three like point trebuchet. shot? Yeah. That took <laughs> yeah. an hour and a half to get off. He would load like, it up. Yeah. It looked like he was storming the castle, man. It was just like <laughs> flinging it. And it was like a, every time you just like pray. And he's also a guy who was good because he was athletic. And once you get hurt, you lose that. Mm-hmm. He's that old now. Like he's not that young. And it's like, I just think, I think we don't realize how little value we have. Like Denzel Valentine might be our most appealing bench asset as a, in a trade. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's not good. We don't have like those tradable, like we don't have a Kelly Oubre or something who is sexy to trade and you can get a star for it. 
Well, well, technically, it might be Pat Will now. That's our most tradable bench asset. But obviously, we're not going to be looking to trade him. I, I really, I really want him to start. Just, just the goal. <laughs> I just want to start him. I know it's well, bad basketball, but I just want to. Well, you, Otto, Otto is not the most reliable guy either. I don't know you guys saw that video. That video? I don't know how recent. Well, I was. Just I don't about know how to recent ask you guys that about that. Can we talk about that. Do we know, know when that video is from? I, it, it's not. It looks that like old. he's at a Halloween party. Yeah, it, like, it's there are a bunch of people clubs. in that video that look like they're dressed up in costumes. Like there's but, one, uh, there's one lady like wearing like a fire fireman outfit, and I, but isn't that just like sexy clubs? Like I don't know, I've never been to one. Like isn't that just like what they do? Isn't there like white parties and stuff? Like <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was a bad look because like we're in a pandemic and this guy. I don't know. I, I, I'm just I'm in a sour mood with Otto just because last yes. I, I don't care what guys do off the court. I don't really, but during COVID, you should care. Yeah, it's just a situation that we're in. <laughs> and I, God forbid that this guy comes in, has COVID or something, and gives it to another teammate, and then it just, you know, spirals. You know why he did that? Because he hates playing basketball, and he wants <laughs> to be quarantined. He did it right before training camp, so now he doesn't have to show up and run. Like, when he came back from injury, he asked to come off the bench as the captain when we really like, we're kind of still in need to give him. He's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I'll go off the bench. And you're like, you just love being rich. I don't blame you. Like <laughs> you figured it out, man. I, I think he did this on purpose. So he had to quarantine and he does not have to. He's like, ah, can't play. But Sorry. My bad. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn on auto because yeah, I have issues with what he has done since he came here because right when he came over in the trade, you know, when we, when we sent Bobby and Jabari to Washington, and he played like a dozen games and the Bulls offense and especially it's young pieces that are important had the best stretch of games that mm -hmm. they've had. Mm. And it was because of Otto. Like Otto is a guy who can make the right pass and the right read because he has a high basketball IQ, quality core vision, and can also just be a guy who plays off the ball and knocks down threes. And like, you guys remember how hot he was from, from downtown when he, when mm -hmm. he first arrived in that trade, the dude didn't miss. And he's just a quality team defender on the other end. You were like, Oh my God, this guy is just like, this trade was amazing. Yeah. He's overpaid, but most people in the NBA are, and he was useful since then. It's just been like nothing just, you know, dress clothes, DNPs for a year and a half. And it's been so frustrating. And I want to believe that Otto is looking at his situation right now and saying, all right, well, definitely just picked up that 28 mil option and, you know, put that in the bank. But now if I actually want to keep playing basketball, and like you said, John, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's like, all right, I've made my money. I'm out of here. Peace out. Because he doesn't actually care. And he's not that competitive about winning basketball games. But if he wants to earn himself another contract in the NBA, the dude's not even 30 yet. Like he could get another big payday if he wanted to. And so I'm like uh, trying to optimistically think about Otto and his thought process coming into the season where he's like, maybe I should actually prove to people that I am a useful piece because I'm going to be a free agent a year from now. And if all I have on my resume recently is playing for a bad team and actually not even being readily available for that bad team most of the time, who's going to throw any offers my way? Ooh, I like that. This Appeal to what he loves. Yeah, I, I, and it's funny. Like I, I'm, I'm reading some of like the comments, and and I, I follow this uh, person that does. She, she has a popular Wizards blog. Um, well, that's redundant. 
No, no, I'm just saying. Well, I'm saying she. So she. A lot of the Wizards fans are like, "Man, I'm glad the that we got rid of him." And it just like it just makes it like even that much harder. Where if if we need to make a trade, do need to make a trade midseason. It's obviously we're going to have to use this contract as part of something for a bigger move. It just comes into a situation that makes it even that much harder to maybe move him. Then yeah. we still won that trade though. <laughs> we did. Weirdly. We did. Yeah. <laughs> like we can, we can like, he, he's this expiring huge deal. Like that's wonderful to trade. Uh, it was really frustrating. Stupid meathead mass fans during that Zach Levine Mavs rumor during before the draft, they were like, no, nah, I don't think he's that good. I'm like, what? Like, give us auto port. I'm like, you are insane. Like we, <laughs> we can't afford Zach Levine. Like you'd have to trade Porzingis to get Zach Levine. Like, and also we don't want auto port. Like the fact that no one knows because no one, he was, he's been in DC in the bull. So he might be good. I just, I truly think he just doesn't basketball is like the fifth thing he likes to do. And it's, that's great. I just, I think Matt has a good point though, that he is, he's still young enough where he could theoretically be a long-term piece on a competitive team. If he just got everything together. I mean, like you said, quality team defender makes open shot. And the surprising thing was he wasn't really that bad off the dribble too, or playing pick and roll. Like he was running pick and roll. He was scoring off pick and roll. He was hitting some step backs. Like Otto looked really good in that February where Lowry Markman really did look like maybe the next second coming of Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, it, everything really was clicking. And theoretically, if you put a good auto porter into this lineup with Zach and Kobe, all of a sudden you have three guys that can score really well. And then you have Lowry who can shoot. I mean, you all of a sudden would have good offensive firepower. It's just a question of whether or not that's actually possible anymore. So I don't know. And there's also his health is is a question mark too is because I was the foot is one thing. And then he, he also had that hip issue that can make his mobility a question mark. And then at that point, then he probably is more of a four than a three. And that mm-hmm. again, then we have a big log jam at the four. So yeah. I don't know. It yeah. just, and on top of those injuries, I did think it was interesting when I can't remember if it was AK or Eversley, but one of them mentioned that Otto basically came into training camp last year out of shape. And so, like, you know, I don't know if that's something that he readily admitted to them. But, I mean, John, we were at Media Day last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember our interaction with Otto because it was brief. But, mm-hmm. and again, th- this is coming from someone who's 33 years old, who doesn't exercise, whose diet consists largely of just, like, beer and meat. And, <laughs> I, you know, if even though I don't look overweight and I'm not overweight, if you asked me to run a mile, I'd pass out in the first 10 steps. So, you know, I, I have no leg to stand on whatsoever here. I thought he looked a little soggy at media day. I thought he looked like a guy who was not in NBA shape. Yeah. I mean, again, he, I, he, I, I'm the same way. I, I'm, a, I'm the most that shape guy. I, I, I couldn't tell because they're so giant that I'm just like, I feel like a child, even though I'm 10 years older than all of them, but I still am like, <laughs> yes, sir. Like, yeah, exactly. uh, like, I, even though I'm like double Kobe's age or whatever, uh, <laughs> but I still act like, yes, sir, you're my elder because you're taller. Um, I, I just watching him, I don't think – I just feels like he he likes living his life, <laughs> you know? Like, he has – he has, like – he can he has private plays. It's like, yeah, basketball's tough. It sucks. You have to play against Cleveland three times. 
a year. Yeah. And then you have to go to Detroit. Like, it's not fun. Like, your your division is Indiana, Detroit, <laughs> Cleveland, and then Milwaukee. And they're good. God damn it. You live in the best city. <laughs> and so I just think he's a tradable asset. But he does have skills. It's just that, does is this does he want to help this team? Will he commit? His, he, he could be our best playmaker on the team, for all we know. He was in that, that February. He, he was our best passer. But he also then just went to this Corona club and <laughs> literally did everything you're not supposed to do on camera. I mean, that would be yeah. such a bull starts of a season that the season starts and there's just a Corona outbreak. I mean, that would just be just straight oh out God. the book. <laughs> that, that would be, or the Kings. You know what's going to happen yeah, to the Kings. Yes, one right? of those. <laughs> Only thing I'm only thing makes me uh, not as concerned is because I think the NBA is pretty good about monitoring this stuff. I mean, granted, it's it's not going to be in a bubble anymore, but I think they're a lot more ahead than these other sports leagues like MLB and the NFL as far as kind of getting a handle on it. So maybe you yeah. know before he's even anywhere near the rest of the guys, he was properly tested and. Like, look, you guys all need to be make sure you're tested. I know they're doing those daily tests, uh, supposedly. I'm, and I'm crossing that fingers. It's not that invasive daily test. That would be brutal. I think this year, I don't think we, I think Corona will leave a huge footprint on this season that we're not prepared for. I think we're expecting the bubble and we're expecting it to be handled. And I think out of the bubble, I don't think we realize how many players are going to miss games because of Corona. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a huge storyline this year, more than, more than we expect. No, definitely. And I think that's going to be the big thing, right? Where it's going to be harder to police these players. Uh, when you're in the bubble, yeah. it's easy to police them saying, all right, you can't get, you can't cross this line. Uh, There's but, different state laws. You yeah, know, one yeah. state it's masks. One is no. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's going to actually come down to the, the team. It's, they're going to have to be babysitters. Again, these teams are going to have to be like, listen, if we find out that you've gone this place, we're going to find you and you're going to you know lose money. I don't know how that's going to work. But I don't know. If they, that's they, legal. Have, they have, they have two contact tracers for each team, which is huge. Like, and that that's, that's really good though. That, that's going to be able to know exactly who is with, you know, Zach Levine played against the Knicks and we know who the Knicks players were with, but this ref, like they're going to have two people on it for each team. That's my wife who works in medicine was like gushing okay. about that. And <laughs> well, that's like, good. Cool. What I'm wondering though, is what's the, in, I mean, granted the incentive is just being a good human being and helping this country. But if you have a bad team and the bulls do have a potential to be a bad team, what's stopping a player from just being like, eh, I'll just go to the club tonight effort or i'll just go out and you know whatever whatever like it, what's stopping these players now there, there's no bubble i mean me and yeah. matt just got fired and we still don't do that so. <laughs> yeah it, it's just <laughs> we have less we, we like, also I, I don't know about you john i don't have money to go to the club exactly well, maybe that's what it is we got fired uh, uh, but i yeah nor, nor would right. i want to go there anyway the club is not my scene you you and the club doesn't want me you couldn't I, you couldn't pay me to go to the club they would any club that would have me. No, thank you. Well, John, um, you go to the comedy clubs, right? I used to, but that's dead now. Those are gone. Like, are they? The, the, like oh, gone. Like yeah. being a being a live theater comedian performer is being a whale oil salesman when the light bulb is invented. Like we're done. <laughs> like we're done. You can watch Dave Chappelle on Netflix. Or you're going to watch me at the Chuckle Hut in front of thirty people for thirty five dollars. You're going to stay and watch the greatest comedian. You're never. No one's ever going to leave their house again. Like. 
it took five years for 9-11, after 9-11, people fly again. And that was like, we knew, we knew what the problem was with 9-11. Like, we're like, oh, like, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen again. Uh, I just think it's, so I, I think you're right. I think what's going to stop these players, because all it takes is one Daniel House, right? Like one yes. guy to break the, to break the seal. Yeah. Um, and we could tank to get, what's that guy with the crazy Eight. name? Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham. God. Oh my God. I mean, every the, time, this is a the best class. name ever. This the is the best name. I think maybe I'm like, you know, clinging to hope in that Bulls fans will be doing whatever they can to take this upcoming season seriously, despite all of these, you know, they, they just got issued a 134 page manual about, you know, new safety and health restrictions and, you know, uh, compliances and guidelines and all that um, for this upcoming season, which won't be in the bubble like Orlando is a respect for each other and a respect for their coach um, and, and trying mm. to actually put their names and efforts behind turning this around. Because we all know that those Bulls players were embarrassed last season. If they, And if they weren't embarrassed, then they shouldn't be playing NBA basketball. Uh, and maybe Otto fits in that category. Who knows? But, I mean, as much as we make j- jokes about Archie for being the player that he is, he, I don't know if you guys, you know, listened to his interview. He was on 670 last week and he said flat out, like we were like, it was embarrassing. We were embarrassed. You know, we, we felt like we embarrassed our city. We embarrassed ourselves and we're going to try and come out and fix that. And, you know, again, Archie jokes aside, I respected that brutal honesty from him. And I think that most of his teammates probably feel the same way. And now that they don't have this ridiculous, you know, uh, like, cartoonish authoritarian figure as their coach who belittles them, who throws them under the bus every night when you could just as quickly question his coaching decisions compared to their performance on the court. But actually a guy, Billy Donovan, who was well-liked and well-respected around the league. I mean, has anyone heard one bad thing about Billy Donovan other than like a tweet from Kevin Durant, who's the biggest diva in the league. That's going to be a huge shift that might actually get these Bulls players to buy in. I, I, I completely agree. And I also think like, th- think of all like, they're the, they're the kid that couldn't, didn't have the grades to go study abroad. And now all the kids are coming back with all these inside jokes of like the bubble. Like, Oh my God, remember, remember golf in Orlando. And they're, they're like, we haven't done anything since March. <laughs> remember like, that you know, time like, that Jimmy <laughs> filed a noise complaint on himself. So that people would know he was dribbling a basketball at four in the morning. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, exa- remember, remember big, Big face coffee, right. hilarious. <laughs> like, like, oh, um, like, mem- remember fishing? You know, like, and I think they're going to be like, I think that part sucked, and I do think like all human beings, they want to be a part of something that's fun, and like they want to like do their job as a whole. Auto, and I think Auto Board Junior is that way. Everyone, you know, it, he shouldn't be our knucklehead. He's because he, he's the captain. Like, he cannot be the captain anymore. <laughs> Definitely. So as we're talking about expectations, uh, we'll start with you, Matt. What, what are your expectations going into the season for the Bulls? And what are your maybe your three things that you're looking for um, that you will end up being satisfied? Obviously, playoffs are a reach. Um, and maybe even getting that 10th spot for that play-in could be a reach. But what what would you say that, hey, you know, we after the season's done, I'm pretty happy with how everything went? I mean, I am – Tempering expectations while trying to look cautiously optimistic uh, towards this upcoming season, because I do believe that with a a sense among the players on this roster who are returning from this past you know season and a half of uh, 
authoritarian rule under Jim that they've all been able to take a deep breath. Uh, it seemed from what we saw from that two week mini camp they had in their little own Chicago bubble that they were happy to be out on a basketball court, you know, running five on five against each other and with each other again, doing team activities. Uh, like smiling, laughing. Do you guys just remember seeing the long, f- disgusted faces down the Bulls bench in the fourth quarter every night this past season? I'm excited for that to change, and that's my first expectation. And then, yeah, I hope, despite a roster that will look very similar, at least out of the gate, and again, we'll see what happens as we near the trade deadline, that they can build on their win total from last season. And, you know, talking about a 72-game season instead of 82, if they flirted with being 500 and were, you know, like 35 and 37, 34 and 38, I would be thrilled with that level of development. I'm not expecting it. I would be pleasantly surprised if that big of a jump happened. But as far as the specifics and the individuals, the three things that I want to see happen are Lowry and Wendell being fixed and showing what their true ceilings and not ceilings, but potentials are and getting back on the right track under the tutelage of Billy Donovan, under the tutelage of these new people they've brought onto their player development staff. And then also figuring out what Kobe white is, because that's, I, I still think the one unanswered question when it comes to this roster and why I'm a little bit still worried about Lowry and Wendell having bounced back years is because they are young bigs who need people to get them looks as opposed to getting them for themselves. And I still don't see a lead playmaker on this roster. So those are the three keys for me. John, how about yourself? Those are damn good keys. Um, I, this is the greatest season for us. I just want to make the playing playing tournament. That's what we need. 10th. Let us, let's, let's be 10th. If we get there and we get to have like a fun game, that's like with stakes. Oh my God. Can you imagine? So that is, and I think, and I think that could be doable. Like, I don't think Cleveland or Detroit are going to be that much better. Atlanta's obviously better, but like, we we have enough talent. We should be. Lori Markin and Wendell Carter, both those are probably one and two. Um, just getting them, figuring out what they are, uh, not even getting them right. It's like, what are they? Like, we is maybe maybe Lori isn't that great of a shooter. Maybe he should be driving all the time. Uh, what is Wendell Carter? And then building out our bench, which I think will involve trading one of these core four, which is like, we got to stop saying that because it's like, no one's what core core. <laughs> like that's not, no one's a core. Man. Like right. that's insane. Like, it was, it was all... like when our pal Fred was talking about Pat will being, you know, the final piece of the puzzle. And like, yeah. and like, it's like <laughs> what are you talking, talking about? We, we haven't even unwrapped. We, we haven't yeah. taken the plastic yeah. off of the box yeah. that the puzzle comes in. Yes. Like exactly. What, you know, <laughs> when, when, Wendell Carter, average, you know, career highs of 28 and 11, like once, like who knows? So I think that, I think we need to have a bench because our bench is so thin. It's, we, I would argue board, like borderline unplayable people. And so I think that will be just building a team. That's an actual team that if you have the off injury, you don't turn into a G league team. Dude, are you, I mean, are you forgetting about Robert Ori? That's a solid. Bench. <laughs> Here's the thing. We've all forgotten about Chandler. Yes. No, yeah. yes. No one yeah, talks about right. him. That's he is right. from, he is he is a nobody. Like, and nobody wants him. And it's like stuff like that. But we rely on him. See, Chandler's uh, sneaky though because he he did have moments last season where he actually looked like like oh he might be a guy. Like he's athletic as hell. He can defend multiple positions. 
it's just he can't really like the shot is a little eh, but i mean i i don't know if he improved he, he could be a guy i don't think he improved his his jump shot i don't think he improved his three ball yeah. And I mean, John, do you remember nights on Outsiders where we would be like, hey, we would spend the second or third segment talking about a decent night from Hutch because he had, you know, like eight points, seven rebounds and, and two oh assists. Oh, my God. Yo, we had the like, hey, it was a Hutch game. Guess what? The first time he was available to play in a month because the dude's never healthy. But yeah, eight points and, and seven rebounds. And I pushed back on the athletic. Like he is in theory athletic, mm. but it doesn't come together. Like, like maybe he's a track and field star, you know, like he maybe he's a soccer player, mm. but for whatever reason, he could jump. Sure. But like, I don't see it when he get yeah, Chandler, man, God bless him. Watch again. Poor guy. Also come like truly like Bo- Boise State's own. I just, I think we need to be able to have players who are like, Ryan Archinacchio played 35 minutes and he had two assists. Like, that's why you can't play someone like that. Love him. But, like, he's playing 30 minutes and we we had the funniest box scores of any team every game. <laughs> that's a lot, of, that's <laughs> like, a lot of glue right there. We So much glue. <laughs> like, truly. Like, mostly, it's it's a horse made of mostly hooves. Like, that's what that's what the Bulls bench is. Um, just too much glue. And so I'm excited to see, I think you were right about uh, that break in the middle, I think that's going to be our free agent trade. Like that's going to be when moves are made. Um, and I'm excited, but if we can make that 10th guys, how fun would it be to all watch a playing game? I you mean, know, it yeah. would be the first time we've gotten to watch a bulls game. That like matters matters. Yeah. Since, you know, we, we lost four straight and got bounced out of the first round in 2017. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, I, I'm looking at this team as for me personally. So the couple of things I personally would like to see, um, I I want to see if Kobe again, like when Matt brought up, can he be thought, taught to be a point guard? Can he right now? Again, we, we know he is, and he's, he has a lot of tunnel vision. He's a, he's a, he's a scorer, but maybe with the addition of a guy like Maurice Cheeks, and a Hall of Fame point guard, maybe he can kind of, you know, take him under his wing, teach him to kind of be a better floor general. Um, Wendell Carter, I, I'm, again, with, with the same thing with Matt said, the development. Can he develop a consistent, I don't know if a consistent is the right word, but like some sort of outside shot. Uh, I would like he to look at the rim while holding a basketball? Yeah, like, exactly. Start with that. Yes. Well, th- so the elbow, that elbow jumper, I'd like to see consistent, and then the three point shot. I mean, if he can shoot even like thirty four percent, even on low volume buying the three, I, I'll say, wow, okay, that's a success, and that's uh, we're getting somewhere. Uh, you know, at least it's it's going in the right direction as opposed to him, you know, be, being scared to shoot the ball when he's wide open and he's like hesitating like fifty times. Uh, when he's wide open. So that, and then, you know, uh, I, I, I like to see, you know, Pat, Patrick Williams, it, that'd be really nice to see if he comes out and plays like one of the best rookies um, and just, and is showing out there giving us something. It, it kind of builds confidence in us. Okay. This guy does really does have that potential when the actual games are being played. It makes you feel like, okay, maybe this guy does have star potential. And uh, we, I think at that point as fans, we'll feel a little more, positive about the long-term you know uh, of this team that okay if, if we have him he can turn into star and then maybe 
if that happens with Zach continues to, you know, play well, and hopefully Zach plays consistently from the start of the season to the end of the season. I think that is another concern with him. Uh, he always has that like gap in like a month of the beginning of the season where he just, for whatever reason, it, it takes him a while to get going, which is weird because he's always coming into camp like in midseason form as far as his like athletic like his his condition and things like that. He's he's a very hard worker, so it's not like he comes out of, in camp out of shape. So I don't know what reason it is. I know last season, I, but I, I mean, def- I think last season you had to give Zach a bit of a break for a slow start because he was trying to appease Jim and run Jim system that clearly was the wrong system for the pieces that they had. And you yeah. can kind of tell as the season wore on, Zach was basically just like, all right, F you, Jim, I'm going to go get mine and hopefully we can win this. <laughs> but yeah. But he had that same situation and uh, the starting the season before last. I mean, he started off a little hot in the beginning, but then he had that, that like three to four week span where he was just really bad. And like, at the, I think it was like December, um, the, not like the season before last, like I said, he, it was like, he, like I said, he just has those gaps where they just like what w- you would like to see him be more consistent. That's, that's it. Um, with at least like with his scoring is obviously there. I don't defense is whatever. I mean, I, I just hope he continues to make at least marginal improvements there. And then his decision-making, obviously that's, that's the part where we need a, a, another ball handler that can, be that point guard so that you take away responsibility from Zach. So he doesn't have to handle the ball and, and he doesn't have to be that, you know, lead, lead initiator. See, it's so funny. I'm, I'm the least worried about Zach. Like, who are you? Like, let's say of Zach, Kobe, Wendell, Laurie, least worried to, or most worried to least worried. Give me your four. Oh, oh, for sure. I'm I'm not saying I'm, I'm extremely worried about Zach. I would definitely say he's the least of our worries. I'm just saying like, I would like to see him be consistent from beginning to end. I feel like, yeah, that, I mean, but in my mind, I don't, I, I kind of don't need him to, I'm fine with who he is. I think right. like, I like, think, I, like consistency is a weird word to use with Zach when like, the consistency issue was an issue with every player on that Bulls roster before it was an issue with Zach. Uh, how, how many nights did Wendell disappear? How many nights did Lowry disappear? How many nights did Kobe just struggle through, you know, the, the rookie wall and have a really tough shooting night and a bunch of turnovers, which is, you know, it's fine. It's not a judgment. It's just something that you expect to see happen. Zach was the most consistent part of this team. For That's the past scary. Two seasons. And, you know, I, to, to John's point, Maybe, and, and Salim, you kind of also touched on that too, and I think it, it depends on what you're asking this player to be because if, if you see him as inconsistent, you're asking him to be the elite-level all-star caliber player as the best player on a good team, and that's not what he has been. That has not been the Bulls' reality. That has not been his reality, but that just means that that's a part of the, the new front office's job and Billy Donovan's job to figure out whether or not Zach fits as a guy who can be you know the the one b to a one a if they find that one a i yeah i'm just i I think i'm just i really am so excited that we have someone at the helm who's a smart basketball coach who is going to figure out what we have yes because that's we don't know (laughs) if we have talent or if we have duds we just don't and that's what i'm looking forward to like if if it was my list like top three just normal 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 
Just give me all of that. Like, I'm looking forward to having a normal basketball coach who isn't going to say weird shit after every game. I'm looking forward to not having a leadership committee that has to decide different things after a player (laughs) rebellion. I'm looking forward to Zach Levine not having to shoot to make 13 three-point shots to beat the Charlotte Hornets just so he can say F Jim Boylan after the game. I'm just looking forward to just having normal problems of a rebuilding possibly bad team and that's that's fine for me like there were just too many there's just too many weird things that have happened over the last few years and it's just draining and it just turns you off from watching games sometimes and just not having to deal with like that that shadow of Gar Foreman onto the United Center and the the fans just the the fire Gar pass stuff it's just it just finally feels like a normal team and I, I'm looking forward to that. Like that's, that's extremely yes. welcoming. I, and <laughs> that's I think beautiful, beautiful, so important. Yes. I think it's such an important point that you just made Ed, because like, and it goes back to the beginning of our conversation about uh, Bulls fans who were just like shocked and dismayed that bigger, crazier moves didn't happen on draft night or in, you know, the, the onset of free agency. And it's like, okay, I know that Bulls fans are impatient and, and it's because a good portion of us grew up watching championship after championship and that's what the the standard is and we haven't gotten back their sense and it's incredibly frustrating for a for a fan base that passionate and that's a good thing that they're that passionate but sometimes the the passionate comp combined with the impatience is just like it, it drives me nuts because guess what like rome wasn't built in a day and we finally, finally got some new architects around here. And Bull Saints immediately want to question everything and ask why we don't have a championship roster, <laughs> like, you know, getting ready for the 2021 season. And like, so to your point, Ed, it's like just expecting some normalcy and a return to just like competent executives, competent coaches, uh, figuring out how to play competent basketball with the pieces you have at your disposal and just building off of that. Like, yeah. It sucks that it won't happen overnight, but in what world were we going to expect that to happen? Yeah, that is, I mean, you guys, this is, I, you totally, both y'all nailed it. We, we have been in a toxic relationship. We have Stockholm syndrome. We want to feel something, but it's like, girl, you've been dating meth heads. Like you just, <laughs> he might be plain looking, but he's an accountant. Like he has a job, he has a car, like, like, but there's no passion there. And it's like, you don't need passion. You need stability right now. Like, so we're looking to feel something and we have we're we need to realize we need to heal as fans yeah. because Bulls fans are off their goddamn rocker. It is wild <laughs> to watch on Twitter. It is a fan base that is like truly it's Dallas Cowboy fans. Like it's off their rockers. And we because they, they've been tortured for a generation, not in 10 years, let's say. Um, and I feel like let's just let's just get clean. Let's, you know, pay our rent every month. Let's get our GED. Let's get back on our feet. <laughs> and everything's going to be okay. Then we'll, we, can get, we can buy a house later. We just, we just need to find a, a nice apartment close to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, as we get close to wrapping up here, um, both of you, could please give us your final thoughts on, <clears throat> excuse me, apologize. Uh, give us your final thoughts on, you know, what you would, are looking at as you know training cap starts and obviously let our listeners know where they can follow you and where maybe something you guys you both of you guys are working on with you know with dave that if you guys want to make an announcement or anything like that as well 
Heck, you got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, no, no official announcement as of yet. Uh, well, I can tell you that the three of us are talking about doing something else for this upcoming Bulls season because mostly we just want to keep having fun with our fellow Bulls fans and interacting with them on in some capacity on some platform. So, you know, we, we still have uh, a little ways to go and a little uh, time to figure that out. So just uh, hang tight on that front. Um, and in the meantime, you know, you know, uh, my guy, Jordan Malley and I are still doing five locked on Bulls podcasts every week, Monday through Friday. Uh, giving you guys that daily content. Um, you can follow us at Locked On Bulls. You can follow me at Bulls underscore Peck. Um, and final note, uh, just want to say thank you guys so much for having us. Uh, you know, I appreciate you guys doing your part to be a part of the Bulls podcast community. I always enjoy listening to your guys' shows and, and interacting with you all on Twitter. And, um, you know, I, I miss Big Dave a lot, and I miss John uh, to a almost similar degree. I mean, and- there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> I could be the night. There's just no way. Like, it's like, it's like, you know, it's, I'm John the Baptist, you know, like to <laughs> Jesus, like, there's no way. No, I, but I, you know, I really will miss watching Bulls games in the green room with John and Big yes. Dave this season. Like, yeah, I will truly, truly miss that as bad as the team was last year. So my hope is that the counterbalance will be, I don't get to watch the game with my buddies and comfy lazy boys while we like bug Kendall Gill and Will Perdue about stuff. But hopefully we'll be watching a better product. That's, you know, simple, just like just like Ed said, just like a better product and some a return to normalcy. And I will be a happy camper this season. I mean, truly 100 percent. I produce nothing right now. There's nothing. I'm not putting any content in the world. So please do not follow me. That's not entirely true. John. <laughs> I mean, nothing that is fun for me. I, I run a bunch <laughs> of corporate Twitter accounts. Please follow uh, Velveeta if you want, or Chuck E. Cheese, uh, but you don't have to, um, follow locked on. I'm a big fan of you guys. Thanks for having us on. Like you guys have such a wonderful, like approach to the bulls that I think like is refreshing, you know, like you guys aren't doom and gloom. So, and that's really like, I, that's wonderful. And it's like, so thank you for being a, a positive force in the bulls fandom. Um, and I can't wait. I honestly can't wait for this season. Basketball is going to be good. And it feels like there's more good teams than usual. Like there's more parity. Like I could see like the Suns are good. Now the Hawks are good. The bulls might be good. Like, I feel like it'll be a really fun, weird season. If we can uh, not have everyone get sick and die. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's the key. I think if, if we can stay healthy, that's, that's one thing we need to uh, hope that this team can finally, be remotely healthy and have these guys play together for more than, uh, you know, a 10 game span. So uh, we'll cross our fingers on that. Um, Edward, how about yourself? Any final thoughts here? Man, thanks to John and Matt for uh, joining us. This was a blast. Definitely shout out Big Dave. Definitely got to get him back on here. I mean, every, every time we talk to him, it's just, it's just great. And yeah, I'm like I said, anytime I'm, you talk to Big Dave, it's a good day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's it, just is. Amazing. it is. And yeah, it's hard to have. Imagine having a bad day around that guy. Imagine. <laughs> I, I there were so many nights and days the past two years where I was having a bad day, and then but you I showed weren't. up yes. to the office and saw Dave, and I immediately was having a great day. You just kind of feel like giving him that. That what was it from Anchorman when? When uh, Champ is uh, saying that uh, to to uh, Ron, yes, <laughs> I miss you. I miss, I miss you. After all this craziness is over, I yeah. think you and I should get an apartment together. Yeah. All right, Champ. That's <laughs> exactly it. We are all Champ kind to his Ron Burgundy. One hundred percent. Hundred percent. But yeah, you know. Again, thank you both of you for joining us today. Um, we'll definitely try to have all three of you on. 
uh, again at some point soon, sooner than later, I should say. Uh, but yeah, that's like a wrap for today's episode. Uh, please give us a follow on Twitter at Bulls Gold. You can follow Edward at Edward Shula Jr. and me at Jordan Dynasty. Don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net radio station. In addition, if you have missed any previous shows, you can find us on all major po- podcast platforms. And please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and rate us a five to kind of show us some love. And thank you again to Matt and John for joining us today. And as always, for Edward Schuler and myself, thank you to all the listeners. Till next time, Bulls fans. <laughs>